1: Hi everybody and welcome back to Cape Sports Now, the Cape Cod Times weekly uh, coverage of all things Cape Cod high school sports. I'm Matt Goisman alongside Steve Jardarian. This is episode 14. It is June 11. It's the playoffs and we are down to kind of maybe about 11 or 12
0: teams that are still in it. Yeah, definitely been an exciting past week here. A lot of upsets, a lot of surprises. I mean, some good. Yeah, some good, some not so <laughs> if, if, if you're a, a Cape team supporter overall, but um, def- definitely uh, no, no shortage of action going on in this past week and a half since we've had the brackets uh, been released. So Absolutely. a lot to break down here, definitely, especially with baseball going on today. Absolutely. You know, baseball is definitely the sport where we have the most teams
1: left. We still have uh, five, uh, five or six teams, I think, still that um, in the playoffs, still kicking around as we get into well, it's now kind of the quarterfinal round, and we should fab the entire South sectional wrapped up by uh, the end of this week. I think the big game that uh, we're all looking forward to is an All Cape Division Four South quarterfinal between number one St. John Paul and number nine Bourne. St. John Paul is eighteen and two. Bourne is thirteen and eight. That's this afternoon at McKeon Park in Hyannis. So it's a home game for the Lions. Uh, You know, they, you were at their first round game. They clearly were motivated by last year's first round loss. And they, they seemed like they looked pretty solid uh, in their win.
0: Yeah, this is really a a personal, you can tell Devin Harrison wanted to get back to this game big time. You know, he was, he was a tough luck. Well, not really a tough luck loser. I mean, they just lost to West Bridgewater in the first round last year. And that stunned everybody since the Lions were the three-time defending state champions. So they definitely had something to prove in a new era of this mm-hmm. team, I think, and, and they went out and did it, you know, and, and the thing about that game is, I mean, there was, wasn't was a lot of power from the Lions. Yeah. They did it with their patience, especially at the plate, seven walks, three hit-by-pitches mm-hmm. because, I mean, the Carver guys weren't throwing particularly hard or anything like that. It was just, they were just trying to pick in their spots and, and trying to get offense when they could, and... Really, it's just interesting to see you know another Cape matchup here, a matchup that really you don't see often other than the postseason. <laughs> no, because both teams play in very big
1: conferences, and their mm-hmm. conference schedule takes up a lot of their time. Bourne plays in the South Coast Conference, which is a huge conference that really doesn't give them a lot of opportunity to play non-league games. And then uh, St. John Paul, of course, plays in the Cape and Islands League, which is also quite large. And so you know, you have to play – 12-14 league games, mm. that really doesn't give you a ton of free time to play right. non-league competition, you know, and you seek out teams not necessarily in your same division but higher division teams that you think will test uh, test your team out. You know, I think we could get a pretty good pitcher's duel in this one. We'll see if Devin Harrison has recovered enough to,
0: to pitch this game. I My hunch is probably he will go. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I mean, not only on a couple of days' rest, I'm not really sure. I mean, Coach Ryan Swords wouldn't say who he was going to start. He said it was going to be a game-time decision for, for today's game. So, I mean, we could really only speculate at this sure. point. I honestly think, you know, I mentioned the kind of bit of a lack of power for SGP. I think they're going to need it because when you look at the Bourne side, mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to really need to drive the ball. I mean, because Bourne's got solid hitters, guys like Jacob Fader, Nick, yep. Car- or Nick Carlo, the team's leadoff hitter, right. has been really strong all year, and Steve Marshy was a very tough out absolutely so you know whoever sjp sends to the mound at least the one saving group quality was that the defense was very sharp during friday's game against Carr. darren has from right field i was joking with him during the game he kind of looked like jackie bradley out there and not only because jackie bradley used to play at mckeon park down in high ends but two absolutely incredible diving grabs mm-hmm. out there in right field in the same inning and harrison definitely tipped his cap he was very appreciative of that yeah but if Harrison can't go, I mean, I mean, again, we can only speculate, but, you know, guys like maybe an Aaron Cole could go. Cole, or I think, It could yeah. even be a split start. Was what I was thinking is that you throw a guy for three innings, see how he's doing, and if he's doing great, you leave him in there. If right. not, you kind of pull the plug, and, and you get somebody else to kind of go the rest of the way.
1: You know, and both teams kind of used their, their best starter in their first game. You know, you Gordon, have to. What, yeah,
0: <laughs> you have to. I mean – you know, we
1: talked about how in the baseball playoffs you kind of, right. you need at least two good pitchers. You know, Born through Ben Smith, mm-hmm. who uh, you know when they beat Case five uh, four in the first round, Ben Smith threw a complete game and he threw one hundred and thirty three pitches. Mm-hmm. Now he pitched really well: two earned runs, five hits, five walks, five strikeouts. Really good game. He has been one of the most consistent starters for the men all season, but one hundred thirty three pitches is a long start at any level of play. So you know, is three days enough rest for him? I don't know. Um, looking at the offenses, Bourne can hit, but over the last 10 games, they're averaging about six and a half hits a game, mm-hmm. um, which is not as good as St. John Paul, which is closer to eight. Right. I know that doesn't seem like a lot, uh, but eight hits per game is usually probably closer to three or four runs, whereas six is maybe closer to one to two. So right. You know, Bourne's offense is going to have to maybe step it up a little bit because the Lions can hit, too.
0: Mm-hmm. It's definitely going to be a – I know a lot of people were talking about it being a festive atmosphere over at McKeon Park. There's definitely a good crowd there, and I think both teams are going to be able to feed off that. Definitely. You know, playing on a Cape League field the day before the Cape League starts. Yeah, There's exactly. definitely a lot of buzz around uh, the Cape, especially when it comes to baseball this time of year. So Absolutely. That'll be a good matchup. 4 p.m. today, McKeon Park and Hyannis. I'm right behind St. John Paul II High School. so. Simultaneously, you know, at, to that game uh, over in Mashpee, you have the number two
1: Falcons at 18 and three. They are taking on number 10, Avon, an 11 and seven team in uh, another quarterfinal. Uh, you know, Mashpee looked really good uh, in their 3 0 win against Upper Cape. They're on a six game winning streak now. You know, Mike Frazier pitched extremely well, a three hit shutout with seven Ks. I'm not sure they'll go with him again in this one. I think maybe this is Freddie Hanna's turn to step mm-hmm. up, and he's really
0: pitched well of late and gotten over whatever that kind of shakiness was right at the beginning of the season. Well, I just want to throw a quick, Craig. So um, at least according to Saturday, Dan Patino said he was going to throw Jack Richmond um, okay, so on Monday. Yeah, then. yeah, that's what, he, that's what he said now. He could have changed his mind over the weekend, but you're right. that Hanna, I'm sure, will be available mm-hmm. to because he he has come in some relief appearances this year and I and I think that's an option for them today. Sure. But as far as we know, Jack Richmond's going to be the starter for Mashby. So
1: you know, and on the other side of that, Avon, they upset Maimonides nine two in the first round. So mm-hmm. they're, you know, maybe feeling like they're playing with house money a little bit. You know, this is a team I think Mashby probably should be able to beat, mm-hmm. but they gotta not have any mental letdowns, which they have not had recently. I mean, they they have gelled together into a team that feels very worthy of winning the South Shore League Tobin and the overall title again this year.
0: Yeah, Frazier said even Saturday, you know, we didn't really get it done with our offense on Saturday, but they got done with their defense. They mm-hmm. played error free baseball and just so said critical. after the game, you know, defense is going to make a break us. So not only are they going to need strong defense again today, they're also going to need to get the bats going a little bit because three runs can win you a game in the postseason, but when you get your best pitcher going, it makes it a lot easier. So I think today you look for the match to be a little more aggressive, especially on the base pass, and really try to be swinging away. And, you know, yes, situational baseball is important in the postseason, but I think they're going to have to generate a little bit more offense today. Agreed. You know, the other baseball playoff games that we have today
1: are all three really pretty cool stories. You know, we talked all season about the Atlantic Coast League being kind of this everybody is on more or less a level playing field, Mm -hmm. and, it's really who is going to step up when, and who is going to find some consistency at what point. And we still have three ACL teams, rather ironically, not the ACL champion, who are mm-hmm. still in it. You know, mm-hmm. we have Nossett at Oliver Ames today at 4:30. That's at Frothingham Park in Easton. We have Falmouth at Old Rochester today at four, uh, and we have uh, in the Division Three quarterfinals Nossett's Division Two, and then also in Division Three we have. Dennis Yarmuth at Ashland at 4 p.m. And these have all been really nice surprise teams, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it almost calls into question, you know, is winning the ACL title, at least in baseball, maybe a little bit overstated or not necessarily overrated. Everyone likes to win a league title. Yeah. And it guarantees you the playoff spot. But, you know, wh- how much stock do you put into it if, you know, it has calamitous results in the postseason, <laughs> you know? And Sandwich, yeah, they just they didn't have a good day against Old Rochester last week, and that kind of led to their demise. But – you're right, though. No. When you look at Nossett, I mean, this is a team I saw in preseason. And they did have a lot of potential. I mean, even under a first-year coach, you had a couple guys who played for mm-hmm. Team Cape Cod, guys like Mac LeBard and Steven Kalanick. And Kalanick threw a complete game four-hitter to get the Warriors past Whitman-Hanson 3-0. Yep. And really, that's all it takes. I mean, the first round really is the most dangerous in the playoffs. Absolutely. When you got your when your number one pitcher's going and and everyone's just about fresh. So, I mean, anything can happen in a lot of these games. But definitely, I think I'm – I guess I'll have to say most surprised to see Nossett there. Yeah, Falmouth, obviously surprised as well. They had a couple wins. They beat Holliston, and they beat number two, Hanover, which that's that surprised a, a lot win. of people. Yeah. I mean, Hanover's like, a team that's a regular in, the, in, in this round. And they so. were 17-3. I mean, right. Han- Hanover, that was a
1: huge upset for the Clippers.
0: Absolutely. And, I mean, it, it does shouldn't surprise us too much because Falmouth has battled all season. Yeah. Know, we talked about it at times. Yeah, they, they've gotten... They've gotten beaten pretty badly a couple of times, you know, two losses to Barsville weren't easy, but I mean, you could say it's division one team, Yeah, they are. <laughs> I know it's a rivalry and stuff like that. But when you got a guy like Gates Keller, who will just battle right to the last out oh, every yeah. single time, he's your catcher. He's your leader on the field and, and a leader with a bat too. You know, he had a solo home run mm-hmm. that really, and I think he also, yeah, he also scored in the fourth inning and basically provided all the offense. Yeah. For, uh, that found was needed to be Hanover. So you know, when when you got Geller in your corner, that carries a lot of weight, and I, and I think that's a big reason why Falcons is able to get to this situation against Old Rochester. Absolutely. A tough challenge for them. For sure. With uh, DY, you know, they're coming off a 7 3 win
1: over number six, Diamond, so that's a good, mm-hmm. uh, nice upset win for them. Cam Taubert was huge in that game, three runs on five hits mm-hmm. through seven innings. Don- Donald Hand and Andy Campbell, both two runs driven in. You know, this is another good team but they are they got a big task ahead of them they're playing number three ashland 18 and three so you know they're gonna have to pull a nosset or a falmouth all three of these teams are gonna have to win away from their home stadiums for mm-hmm. the entire rest of the tournament because right. even if they make the semis or the finals those are a neutral site so
0: it worked for all for them so well uh, so far yeah, so.
1: <laughs> so the works keep going
0: yeah, definitely. Uh, D.Y., you know, another team that battled it, You know, they beat Falmouth at the end of the year to get themselves into the postseason, and they won the Cape Cod Um class, Cape The Cape Cod, 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 Cod showdown, Down, yeah. Sorry, I almost called the Cape Cod Classic for some reason. <laughs> I think and, that's golf. Yeah, and, and you know what? <laughs> in, in a way, D.Y. has has performed well best, I think, in a tournament or kind of a playoff yeah. setting and being away from home because D.Y. had to play. I believe that was at um, Gov Fuller Field and Falmouth to that's win, win the showdown. So. DY, as far as I'm concerned, and Falmouth had to fight into the playoffs. All these teams really did. So I think they've had the advantage of playing playoff baseball for at least two weeks, mm-hmm. and, and that's played dividends to this point. And I think sometimes when you play a preliminary round game, you're a little bit fresher
1: coming in the next day. Obviously, you maybe don't have your best pitcher available, mm-hmm. uh, which is a challenge. But sometimes you can have teams that are taking, you know, they get a couple of ga- days off that the preliminary teams don't get and maybe they fall out of rhythm slightly, you know, there's there can be a long break between the end of the regular season and the first playoff game. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's always that advantage of is it better to sweep in the postseason or is it better to go six games and stay in rhythm? Um, you know, the only other playoff game we have uh, today is at 3 p.m. That's Westwood Girls Tennis at Martha's Vineyard. You never want to discount an opponent, <laughs> but – Has Martha's Vineyard given you
0: any reason to think they won't win a state title again this year? I mean, Westwood, you have to look at overall. I mean, they play in a very talented part of the state when you look at that – I guess it's kind of considered that Tri-County part of it when you're playing the teams like Medfield and the Dover-Sherburns and, you know, we'll talk about this a little later of girls tennis being upset by Medfield. Absolutely. You know, Medfield plays Westwood in in teams like that twice a year, so they're a very challenged team, and I don't think they're going to have any fear coming into Martha's Vineyard because, hey, they're thinking, hey, what do we get to lose? Sure. We've been battling all season against some very top tennis teams, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if Westwood's able to maybe steal one or two there, but I definitely think this is a Vineyards match to lose. Yeah, I mean, they—they they,
1: the Vineyarders have swept 5-0 their first two matches. Mm-hmm. You know, against Holliston, they gave up a total of five individual games mm-hmm. across ten total sets. You know, they were all two-set sweeps for the Vineyard. Situate was 17-3 and three coming in, and the only loss there was at two doubles, and by then the match was already over. You know, Kelly Claren is really, really playing well at one singles right now, and then Lizzie Williamson and Cat Roberts are – like literally unbeatable at one doubles. <laughs> so all you need is either Victoria Scott, Hannah Rabaska, those are the two other singles players, or whatever doubles team Nina Bramall goes with, which is it's some combo of Cheska Potter, Alex Rego, or Molly Pogue. Mm-hmm. She kind of varies that up every match. You only need one of those three groups to win, and you're moving on uh, to the South Finals, and I think all of those units are very capable of winning.
0: Absolutely so. But, I mean, you look at it from a Westbrook perspective. I mean, if you're a senior, hey, you know, you're out of school and you yeah. enjoy a ferry ride over there. and At nothing else, you get a nice day out of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, anybody else need to – I think that's everybody
1: tennis? for today, uh, for mon- today Monday. Right. So let's look go over to Tuesday, which is opening day for uh, the Cape Cod Baseball League. We're going to be starting our new Cape League Corner, our second season of Cape League Corner, our podcast. So be sure to check that out if you want news on that.
0: Yeah, no, I'm mean, really excited. We had some Cape League stories in today's paper, just mm-hmm. previewing. The brunch was yesterday, and, and you can tell there's a lot of energy um, around the league this year, and it, it's always you know anybody's guess what's going to happen each year to year. I think that makes a league so special, mm-hmm. and not necessarily the team results, just seeing who's going to emerge, because yep. even the biggest stars could come in and yep. maybe not perform as well as you expected, but then... You got an underdog story, a kid, you know, like Mickey Gasper for Brewster last year, ends up leading the Whitecaps to their first championship in uh, since 2000. So, yep. it's anyone's guess what's going to happen this year. <laughs> and um, but we're not done Tuesday with high schools because obviously we still have a few things to take care of first. Absolutely. In boys lacrosse, for example, so the number one found with boys lacrosse team, they're going to host all of our Aims at 5:30 p.m. And you know, looking at found with this year, you know, a big key is something that. I thought was interesting was their seniors really being able to step up in these past two rounds, you know, last game in a nine, three win over Bishop Fien. I think defeating some demons because, you know, Fien beat found within the semifinals last year. Mm-hmm. Um, seniors, Chris Parkinson, Tyler McKenzie with a hat trick apiece, you know, Colin Almeida is your leading scorer. He's junior, you know, Penn State. found we talk again, we talk about him every week. pretty much, but to see the seniors really step up it, and that's huge for any team because, mm-hmm. you know, when you're an opponent, you're going to be locking down on that top score, but to have your seniors, to have those role guys step in and, and perform well, I thought was really good sign for Falmouth. And, you know, guys like Tyler Robinson, Walls, you know, he's been strong on face-offs all year. You know, they're going to need guys like that to get past this point because there's no easy games, you know, when, when you get past the quarterfinals. Absolutely. So they're going to be facing Oliver Ains, an interesting program. You know, they only have three tournament wins in program history. They're fairly new successful mm-hmm. um, in the tournament. Um, that's not going to be an easy matchup. You know, Eric Sr., Eric Blank, he's had three goals in each of their um, past two wins. They beat Old Rochester and Plymouth South. Uh, he was a 40-goal scorer this year along with Owen Gallagher, and then they have five other guys who have over 20 goals. So mm-hmm. this is a team that's kind of built a little bit like Falmouth. They have multiple scorers who can step up. But, you know, Falmouth hasn't given us any reason to think that, you know, they're a team in destiny this year. I mean, they cruised in the first round against Pontequit. They they beat in 9 to 3 in a game I thought was going to be much closer. Mm-hmm. So I think they should be able to get past Oliver Ames, and then if they do, they'd play the winner of number two Situate versus number six Can, mm-hmm. and that and that's going to be Friday at Marshfield. So definitely should be a very interesting, you know, way to see this finish out. But again, Falmouth has played really well all season long, and there's no reason to think that they can't keep going in this. Absolutely. We also got Nantucket, right? Yep, the Nantucket boys. They also play. They play at four p.m. tomorrow. Uh, they got to the D three semifinals, um, and then we'll face number six Norwell, um, which really crushed a, a solid program, hole eighteen to seven in the uh, <laughs> in the quarterfinal. So uh, <laughs> Norwell's a across town for uh, for sure, and that won't be an easy match for Nantucket. But though it was concerning at first, Nantucket also showed something promising, being able to rally from a five two deficit at the half. And they outscored Archbishop Williams 7-2 to in the third quarter and ended up winning that game 12-10. to So really solid effort by Nantucket. Terrain Burton mm-hmm. leading the effort, four goals and an assist. Ben Lombardi, three goals. Just really getting contributions across the board for Nantucket. And if Nantucket wins, they're back in the final and uh, anything can happen at that point. They'll take on the winner of Cohasset or Bishop Stang, both obviously very solid programs. Cohasset oh, yeah. was in the sectional final last year and Bishop Stang – I believe is a team Nantucket lost to earlier in the year, and that's staying a team that has regularly beaten Division Two and mm-hmm. and has played up in Division. So it won't be again. The road won't be easy from there, but Nantucket's got their home game that always plays a little bit of an advantage, I think. When definitely you have to factor in a bus ride and a ferry ride. And a ferry, yeah. Um, you know, and we also we have two
1: more uh, tennis matches also tomorrow. We have number one Falmouth boys. That's uh, they're at home 3 p.m. against number five Duxbury. Falmouth is 17 and 0. They're still undefeated. They're, mm-hmm. you know, chasing that that undefeated season or postseason now it would have to be. And then Duxbury, a very strong team at 15 and 5. They beat number four Medfield in the quarterfinals. You know, I the big challenge I, I think for Falmouth with this one is so Duxbury's Ethan Hall is unbeaten at one singles. So that is going to be a really, you know, tough battle for Brian Estes. Falmouth's mm-hmm. number one, you know. Duxbury lost uh, in doubles in the um, uh, quarterfinals, so maybe there's an opportunity there for either uh, Wes Garland and Luke Knox, who have been very dependable at one doubles, or maybe Evan Brody and Max Carter, who lost, uh, you know, in their f- uh, 4-1 win over Ashland in the quarterfinals. You know, maybe they can step it up. You know, I think ultimately, I really am real – I think the real match might be decided at two singles. you have mm-hmm. Falmus, Matt Pease and Duxbury's guy Holbrook in all likelihood. You know, Matt Pease is a freshman on a team full of seniors, uh, and Holbrook is a little more experienced. He's a junior. So it could come down to which one of them can kind of step it up, and whoever takes that one might ultimately win the match. I remember when Falmouth played Sandwich a few weeks ago, the match was over, but Pease's match lasted longer than anybody else's. So he's a battler. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll see if it comes down to him to win it. Both of these teams beat Barnstable 5-0 in the regular season for whatever that's worth. Um, <laughs> probably not really all that much, but common opponent, I guess, right. matters. Uh, and then you have in uh, Division three, you have Sturgis West uh, versus Maimonides, uh, which is a Brookline private school, uh, and that's at Pine Manor College in Brookline at 4 p.m. You know, the Navigators are seeded fifth. They're 15-2. The MCATs, as Maimonides are, are known as, are 10-0. They're the number one seed. Uh, Mamadi swept St. John Paul five zero in the um, in to get to this match. So this is a real tough draw for Sturgis West, I think.
0: Yeah, Mamadi is a team that's knocked off St. John Paul the past two years. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I mean, and you look at Sturgis West has, I believe, beat St. No, they split with St. John yeah. Paul on the regular season. So definitely, it's uh, a tough draw. But Sturgis West is hanging around. You know, they won last week, having to hold off, I believe it was a three-two win. Yep, um, for West. So, you know, really anything can happen, and it's been can't really factor the weather into it because it's been actually beautiful out for the first time in a little while. So, you know, sometimes when we look at tennis matches, outside factors playing in, you might look at really hot weather like you had in the state finals last year, it's, it's so nice too, or really yeah. rainy, cold weather, which we have neither. So, if all things Finally. all things equal, um, this this will be a tough test for Sturgis West, but that's why they play the matches, right? Yeah, I, I think.
1: You know, the best chance Sturgis West has to maybe steal a point. Um, At two singles, um, Maimonides, Josh Schoenberg. You know, J.P. Resendez for St. John Paul was able to get a set off of Schoenberg before dropping the third set super tiebreaker. Mm -hmm. The the match was already over at that point. And then at one doubles, um, Matt Canzano and Connor Sargent, they pushed uh, the doubles team from Maimonides, which is Matty Goldberg and Mikey Schwartz. You know, the first set went 7-5. So those are definitely areas where Sturgis West might be able to outplay a little bit better and actually steal points. Um, but then again, at doubles against the with Sturgis West, the one doubles team Andrew Barrera and Satria Knight won, but the two singles team Owen Con uh, the two singles player Owen Conlon, he lost in three sets. So right. I don't know that where Maimondes looked more vulnerable. I'm not sure that's where Sturgis West's strength is. So we'll see what happens
0: tomorrow. Absolutely. Uh, A couple more sports just hit on real quickly. So track over the weekend, we had the New England Championships up at the University of New Hampshire. And really impressive performance from Cam Kergo. Continues to impress in the high jump at 6'7". Leap that gets him into the um, New Balance National, qualified for New Balance Nationals. He finished second in the event. Augustus uh, Carwith of Central High School in Rhode Island ended up winning the event on the tiebreaker. Mm Mm-hmm. Um the mark was six um six feet six point seven five inches, so he just gets over the bar there um pun intended <laughs> um, um we're not sure yet if Kergo is going to attend national, but they are Friday this Friday through Sunday in Greensboro, North carolina but a really great season that that has put together. We've talked about him in football getting up for for leaps there, and you know he still has another year yeah pretty much <laughs> at Ashby, so you know. You know, a lot of uh, jumpers, you know, they, they look at seven feet as, like, the goal. It's just, you know, eventually, like, hey, if I could hit seven feet, you've done something really special. Like, For sure. Not going to say Kergo can do that in high school, but definitely has a potential to be, if not a college football player, definitely a, a college uh, jumper. Track and field, maybe, yeah. Another person we're going to get a, uh, another year from is uh, from D.Y. Tiana Bazzi, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, she continues to tear apart the D.Y. record book breaking her record in the discus and um, she also set the record in the shot. But so she took second in the discus with a throw of 135, five inches. Um, Amanda Howe from uh, Connecticut was actually won the event at a 141, nine. Wow. So, you know, we talk about Bayzy beating people by six or seven feet. Mm-hmm. You take the best throw and she gets beaten by six feet. Right. So it just shows you, you know, at the top, how, good how disparity, are, yeah. how much disparity there is there. But, um, you know, Basie also coming back and, and setting the school record in the shot, but she was also second in that event. She threw 41 feet, 9.75 inches. Um, Molly McCready from Vermont won the event with a throw of 45, 8 So, again, mm-hmm. pretty big gap there. And in case you are curious, the uh, qualifying marks for nationals are 138 in discus and 4303 in shot. So, Basie just falling short in both of those, but – Again, she has another year, and I'm sure she'll set her sights on hitting those marks Definitely. in the future and continuing to add to the record. And then real quickly, golf. So this Wednesday is the uh, state tournament. It's supposed to be held at Thorny Lee and Brockton. Um, Kiera Nairo led mm-hmm. the Barnstable girls team into this tournament. Olivia Donnell and Megan Wigan, and Am- Amelia Zink also did well at South Sectionals. They'll all be represented in Barnsville as well, so. That is this Wednesday and I believe that wraps it up for the sports we had to cover. I know we had to have a little debate right. here. Some of the sports we didn't mention. Um girls across and girls softball or in softball. You know, all our Kate teams are out and there were some real surprises among them Falmouth Girls Across losing to Marshfield in the first round. Yeah. The Nassau girls tennis team losing to, that were number excuse me, they were number They were the first seed. They were the first seed, right. I just wanted to make sure. Losing to number 17 Medfield, like we mentioned earlier. And then we also had yesterday the Monomoy softball team losing to Case at home in the quarterfinal. So, Matt, with all those three upsets on the table, which of those was most surprising to you?
1: I, I think Nasa Girls Tennis. I, I mean, they were undefeated. They were, you know, ex- veteran playoff te- uh, players. You know, most of them had been to the South Finals last year, you know, and – weren't at that game but definitely that was a team that was very very confident in themselves and really envisioned a long playoff run and they you know just they couldn't quite get it done you know it was i think it was a 3-2 loss and players who had been extremely consistent for them you know if if too many people on your team have a bad day simultaneously that's that's what can happen
0: right and not so that a long season i mean what was it 18, 18 matches, matches just before yeah. the tournament so I'm not saying that's necessarily an excuse as much as it's just not as many as other teams were in the tournament. So mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe fatigue played a factor. Yeah, Vineyard I mean, only played 15. Medfield, and I just mentioned earlier, though, I mean, when you look at the teams that they play in that in that Tri-Valley, you know, Tri-County tri- area, you look at Hoppington, Dover-Sherb, and Westwood, all teams were regularly featured in the playoffs. I can't say I was too surprised just given the head-to-head competition. I mean, yeah, when a 17 knocks off a one, it's surprising. There's mm-hmm. No doubt about it. But Medfield's a solid program, and They did get beat by Dover Sherburn in, in the next round, so who's to say that couldn't have happened in the next round, too? Definitely. But, um, you know, when you look at the match against Medfield, I think it came down to second doubles, and it really just Carolyn Donahue, Bevan Burns, they played well on the season, but they just didn't match up. Yeah. And I think Medfield and the top, in the singles, they're one and two players. They were just kind of a little top-heavy, and, and it just came down to that match right there. So still a great season for the Warriors, and, and I think they still have talent to you know, make runs in the future. So, I agree. Um, I, I'll have to say that with Girls Lacrosse you know, really surprised me the most. I mean, when I saw the update that they were down 5 nothing in the first five minutes, my jaw literally dropped. And yeah. I had a different game at that time, but I just couldn't believe with all that firepower that Falmouth was able to put themselves in that big of a hole. And then Coach Derek Zara said it's the first time they'd ever been in that situation. Yeah. Now Falmouth had played well in the clutch, and they came back to tie that game at 8-8 at and 10-10. And I'm thinking, yep. all right. They're going to get it from here. They're going to finish it out just like they've done all season. But it didn't happen. No, they didn't. I mean, they
1: that was the first game this season where they were down 5-0, and it was the first game this season where they never led at any point in the game. Mm-hmm. And I think they were just very unused to playing that way. Now, you know, the offense definitely stumbled, but a lot of this also has to be attributed to a defense that could not pro- stop giving up free positions. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you give the opposing team... Too many free shots. They are going to put most of them away. Now, Falmouth had a number of free positions that they couldn't convert. You know, and that does go back to not shooting well. You know, Quinn O'Rourke, the the best you know scorer in the the Atlantic Coast League, he just held to five goals. So, mm-hmm. you know, she had an off game, um, but you know, I think I think that loss is only not surprising because Marshfield was the only team that beat them in the regular season uh and it's unfortunately i think it was maybe just a little unlucky they got matched up against them uh in the first round of the playoffs
0: right i mean you do put it in context it is their first year in division one right but at the same time i think it is where they belong because quite frankly you know when you look at division two i don't think it's fair to put a, a large school like with and a school like Falmouth academy for example now of course both have talents on right. each of their respective teams but you know, it, it's one of those things where I think you just kind of have to look. It makes sense to have them in separate divisions. So I think Falmouth had the right placement, and mm-hmm. hopefully soon we'll be able to see a development of maybe a third division like you have in boys lacrosse. Yeah, I think a third division would really solve a lot of
1: these problems, you know, because Falmouth played Mashpee in field hockey because they were in the same division, and those two right. teams should not be playing each other in the postseason. I, I, right. Based on enrollment size, I don't think that's – a, compa- a fair, basically. Right.
0: And, and you mentioned Falmouth getting reseeded. They were supposed to play, I believe, Pembroke in the first round. And, and Braintree ended up beating Pembroke. And Braintree went on to beat Marshall 14-5. to So, again, who's to say that Falmouth would have even gotten past the next round anyway? That's true. But... Definitely a bit of a disappointment considering that, yes, that was their only loss. And I just figured at home that, hey, I th- yeah. I thought Falmouth would be able to get past that tough test, but that's why they play the games, like I just said. Exactly. Really anxious to see her work come back next year, though, for senior year. I mean, after two straight first-round losses for Falmouth, you know she's going to be hungry. Oh, yeah. that this is all bulletin board material. This mm-hmm. is the kind of stuff that when you become a senior, you don't want this to happen three times. For sure. So I'm anxious to see how she comes back next year. They're going to lose seniors, Kyle Ozato, Rachel Curtis, Gwen Borning, who are all playing in college next year. But I think Falmouth has done something special, and I think they're going to have a good program for years to come. Definitely. So that just about wraps it up for uh, this week. Again, we'll see what happens with all these playoff teams. It's going to shape up what the show is next week. Next week could be our last show, depending on who's left. Yeah. Um, but for for all this and more, um, check us out on Twitter at SportsCCT.com. And if you didn't catch the show live, you can catch the show at CapeCodTimes.com slash Sports now. Follow both of us on Twitter. We'll have updates from tournament games all week. Uh, My handle is Steve underscore Derdarian. That's D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N. And I'm at Matt Goisman, C-C-T. That's M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T. Good luck to all the teams out there. Stay hydrated. We'll see you next week. Just going to run this